welcome. This is the Go On Scare Me podcast, and this is your host, Christy Strauss, writer, operations manager for filminquiry.com, lover of horror and all things weird, because I myself am strange and unusual. And this is a podcast about fear in its many interesting and haunting forms. I have a amazing guest, uh, Manon Reaper, who is the creator and editor-in-chief of filminquiry.com. She's also a screenwriter and has a master's in criminology. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, it's my honor. So this episode serves as an introduction, giving you an idea of what the podcast is. Basically, the genesis for this podcast came from, you know, what are you scared of and why? Ooh, I'm really scared. You know, how does that translate to the screen? You know, being scared can be such a love-hate thing. You know, for some, you just, you can't get enough of it. And, you know, what's the psychology to that? And, you know, dissecting certain phobias and the history of them and how they've successfully and unsuccessfully made it to films and TV. It really serves as a kind of get to know me and Manon in this particular case kind of episode just to give you an idea of what this is going to be going forward it will be structured around specific themes specific fears you'll notice some changes and differences as I bring in different people as well but this is really just about what is the go on scare me podcast and through this discovery I'm going to be able to have some amazing interviews and chats with incredible people like I am today and at the end of the episode I've also included an interview I got to do with Drew and Brett Pierce the writers and directors of the the terrific new horror film, The Wretched, and hopefully get a very, I'm hoping to cast a very wide net, be able to explore a lot of different fears, learn a lot of new things, and hear a lot of stories. You know, I want to hear from people. I want to know your experiences, and I want to, you know, get to the kind of core of why we like to be scared, why we hate to be scared, where these come from, and also the visual representations. I'm an enormous film and and TV fan, and the ones that can invoke true fear, you know, they're worth noting and they're worth exploring. And I'm hoping that this is going to be a fun and maybe scary way to, to just dive in. Of course, um, as cinephiles, since we have that film TV site, filmandcree.com. We're also going to be talking about plenty of pop culture incarnations. So to kind of start, and I want to quote the great Rod Serling in the last episode he wrote, which was actually the second to last Twilight Zone episode. He said, the major ingredient for any recipe for fear is the unknown. And I think that perfectly, you know, kind of encapsulates fear because it's truly the birth of what terrifies us, you know, something we don't understand or the potential for anything and everything. You know, what's uh, creeping around in the dark? What's out there? Who's out there? Um, So pair this with our own strange creative impulses and some of the most interesting stories are born, you know, ones that provoke a sense of fear. And I think it's a great way to describe it, but also incredibly vague at the same time, because there's just such an ocean of potential things out there to creep us the hell out. And it's uh, very individualized and, you know, can range from supernatural to natural. And I recently polled a group of people and I found that the top five fears, other than the mortality of, you know, losing a loved one or or death, interestingly enough, were drowning, uh, fire, heights, um, bugs, specifically spiders, and possession, which I thought was especially curious. Um, So what's your reaction to hearing those five? So it's drowning, fire, bugs, and possession? And heights, of course. Heights. Oh, and heights. Well, I have to say, 
that drowning in fire I definitely relate to and bugs I used to be scared of but not anymore and then heights I've never really been scared of and um, possession oh my gosh like I mean that's uh, very particular <laughs> it is right I was actually and, and really I thought that was so curious but I had multiple people talk about how that freaked them out I just yeah I I, I sort of get it I mean um it, it's a very scary idea. It sort of feeds into into that idea of not having any power of, over your your body or yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's part of it. Actually, um, one person I asked a little bit further about why, and they talked about that exact same thing, and you know, also mm. said that it translates to even like um, sleep paralysis or anything about not Ooh. being in control of your body. So, right. Yeah. I've, I've heard more people talk about sleep paralysis and how that's a very frightening idea. But even some people who actually suffer from sleep paralysis and they all apparently see the same thing, which is some sort of like black figure hovering over them or something. Oh, I've had it. I've had it at least. Oh, you've had it? Oh, yeah. Like five or six times in my life. It's not oh, a no. common thing. So, yay. But um, when it's happened... It is terrifying and it's it you do often see shadows and you feel like something's sitting on your chest and uh, kind of like crushing you. But yeah, there's a common I can't think of the name right offhand uh, that they call it. It's this like shadowy creature that you see and it's it's freaky. It kind of makes me think of um, haunting of, you know, Hill House, obviously, which we both. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, that whole aspect of that character is just you know, I don't want to spoil anything too, but you know, she has that terrifying experience with sleep paralysis. So I thought mm-hmm. that was, kind of, and obviously this was just a certain, it was about 80 people. So, I mean, it wasn't a huge number, but it was just curious. Some of the responses I got to that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's yeah. an okay sample. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And, and some of them are kind of, you know, not surprising as far as like heights, especially. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's been a fear for, I mean, you know, ever that I can know of that I've always heard people and spiders also is common too, but yeah. uh, So there's obviously a difference between fear and phobias, you know, coming from your point of view, how would you describe the difference? Um, Well, I mean, it basically comes down to whether or not the fear is rational, right? Mm -hmm. So you have the difference between the rational fears, which would be, I don't know, well, fire, I think is a rational one. Um, because, you know, fire can basically dis- destroy you and your house or and everything else, pretty much. Like, it's very powerful. But once you get to the point where you are constantly worrying and obsessing whether or not something's going to catch fire, uh, you know, moving into that territory where you start to become a little obsessed with it, um, then it starts to become irrational. And that's when you get into the territory of, of the phobia. So a, a phobia is, that I think, far more something that, you know, preoccupies you. Yeah. And you have and, like a and physical may, and, kind of reaction. Physical, can, yeah. yeah. It's something that actually kind of, you know, impedes your life in a sense. Exactly. Yes. And also from a kind of psychological standpoint, why do you think it is that we love horror, you know, that we like to be scared? And obviously, again, not everybody does, but this is a very popular genre. This is something that's, mm-hmm. I mean, constantly pumping out new movies and shows and and everything like why do you think that is well it's even still one of the most lucrative genres in filmmaking i think it's one of the ones that you know still continues to make the most money for filmmakers so 
um, yeah, it's it's massively popular and it it has such a dedicated fan base as well. It's it's unlike any other genre, I think. Maybe science fiction comes close, but horror, I think the the diehard horror fans are really quite something special. Aw, thanks. <laughs> but um, yeah, why do we like to be terrified? Basically, I think people are you know our daily lives are so mundane. Basically, like I think we. Humanity hasn't seen an age where we are generally so safe, right? Mm-hmm. We and and horror is basically like you know a roller coaster, but inside your home from your like you can watch it from your couch. Um, it, there's nothing that creates these strong emotional responses quite like horror does, I think, and I, I think that's what you know makes it a little addictive and and unusual. And appealing. And that's a, honestly, it's a great answer because I do think it's like a roller coaster in our home. You know, it's something, it's a way to kind of push boundaries in a way that we know is we're going to remain safe and yet we can still be exhilarated. It's actually interesting. There's a quote from Stephen King that says, uh, from a very early age, I wanted to be scared. I think I wanted an emotional engagement. That's something that was safe, something I could pull back from. I just thought that was kind of interesting. It kind of tied into what you just said. Yeah. So, what is it that you're scared of? Is it, do you have any fears? Oh, you'll you'll probably know this one, <laughs> but it's clowns. clowns. Like, yes. <laughs> Speaking of Stephen King, <laughs> some people know this, and I, because I've talked about it on uh, Twitter as well. But I have not watched any of the It movies. I haven't, like, I still cannot watch any of the new It ones either. And that's basically because when I was very young, um, I saw a part of the first it film um where well, like i'd s- snuck down the stairs and like my parents were watching it and i was i think like six or seven years old and well years probably after that i was asking my mom if there was a monster underneath my bed uh, and i was always checking under my bed to see if there wasn't a clown there and ever since i'm just really, really terrified of clowns. Like I, I have a physical like response to seeing clowns. Like there's one time, uh, well, actually a few times my husband and I, we went to Cirque du Soleil uh, shows and they have these intermissions where they do like little clown bits and the clowns start running around and basically interacts with the audience. And that gives me such horribly intense fear. Of the idea that this clown is going to come to me and, you know, do whatever. I don't know what they do, but it horrifies me. And the last time we went, I was like, I'm just not going to do this again because I had like a strained back, like muscle pain because I'd been so tensed up throughout the whole thing that I'd, like it lasted for a few days. Like my, my back hurt. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's really pathetic, but you know, um, the clowns and um i'm also really terrified of the idea of not being able to breathe um and that also i think that translates to drowning as well and um small spaces so i'm slightly claustrophobic and um especially dark spaces so just recently i learned how to dive which always really, really frightened me. Um, 
because you're in well, a very large space, but you know, there's no space around your body. As soon as you take off like this regulator, the thing that you breathe through, you, you know, if, if everything goes wrong, you die because we're not made to be swimming, you know, really, we're not sea creatures. And then, you know, the not being able to breathe, it, like I had some uh, issues with my nose growing up, like I, the, I, don't know, I won't get into any specifics, but I couldn't breathe properly through my nose. And so I've always been very scared of that, but it's, it's become much worse since I had it fixed because now the idea of going back to not being able to breathe uh, the, like the way that I used to not be able to breathe properly, it just really, really terrifies me. <laughs> so that's a long story short, or well, long story long. <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. Um, and it's interesting that kind of tie into uh, the fact that you did have that problem and you, the fear of going back. I mean, it's completely rational. And as far as the uh, diving, that's awesome. As far as you, you know, learning to do that. And I, definitely understand how terrifying the idea of that is and in a way the ocean is like for me it's not something I'm necessarily scared of but I've always thought it was one of the most beautiful yet terrifying things because it's just so massive and you know you don't even know how far it goes I mean it's just something absolutely yeah it's tough to wrap your head around that a little bit but and, you know, the clowns, that's actually something that's very common. And especially with the first, it, I actually saw that when I was about five. And mm-hmm. the scene in the beginning where he is in the sewer, where he comes out and, and kills the kid, that freaked me out bad. And it was something that I moved past, but because I actually became a huge fan of horror movies really young, <laughs> my parents probably, sh- or my dad rather, showed me a lot of movies probably too young probably created who I am now so I can't complain but it didn't it's the same for me actually yeah Yeah. oh yeah I like I loved Freddy Krueger which is which is kind of weird I uh, I adored that movie when I was young and I I ended up loving it obviously I am a Stephen King fan I love the books and the movie and miniseries so oh um, well don't get me wrong I'm a huge fan of Stephen King stuff but yeah it I've actually never seen the whole first one like yeah I, <laughs> I never I, ever went back I I definitely understand why that would have a lasting effect and like I said you are not the only person surprisingly in that poll I didn't get that response but in conversations hmm. in my life I've had a lot of people talk about how that movie influenced them like scared them actually just recently uh someone I spoke to at Austin the director of Rattlesnake mentioned it so it's it's common. He mentioned that it had a big influence on him when he saw it when he was a kid. So it's, it's common. Now, it ruined kind of, the whole generation. <laughs> yeah, it really did, though. That's what I was gonna say. I mean, we're a couple of years difference in age, but it is kind of the same generation. I think everybody that saw that movie and Tim Curry, it was just like, yeah, uh, and, and horror movies are so different now. But, you know, obviously, other than it, what kind of horror movies would you say scare you or that you're a fan of? That that I'm a fan of or that I, yeah, I'll start with the avoid one because (laughs) I generally do not enjoy body horror. I've, I've realized I just, you know, I've, I've seen a few, um, I think actually maybe one of the few body horrors that I like were under the skin, but I guess it also depends on how you define body horror, but the ones that are 
really just very disgusting, you know, like deformations, like oozing stuff and like very like over the top gore. I don't really enjoy and I also I guess I don't really love slasher films because I think just generally they're very predictable. Um and also just I mean I'm just not really into gore. I think sometimes it it's it, well, most of the time it's just not very I feel like it's not very creative, which is maybe mean to say but it it just doesn't do it for me. No, it's sometimes so, it's used in excess too, you know, it's Yeah, like when it doesn't really almost. Exactly, like when it doesn't really serve a purpose. Um, I mean, sure, there's there's good one. I, I you could argue that Alien, for instance, is a slasher film. Um, you know, so there's there's great ones. Um, but yeah, and like, mm, not for me. But then ones that I do really love. Um, it's usually psychological horror. I love ghost stuff. But there is a but there. I think that they still need to be smart, I suppose. Like there's a lot of, you know, the ones, ones that goes, yeah, the bad ones. I mean, there's just in general, there's also a lot of bad horror films, which are, um, you know, probably also the a lot of genre. fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there's still a lot of fun in their own right to a certain extent. But I think that the ones that have like excessive amounts of jump scares, uh, they tend to do that for ghost films, which I, you know, that's another thing, another element about horror that I don't really particularly enjoy. Um, it's, it's really funny movie. because, yeah, yeah. Uh, but if it, I wrote down some of my favorites and, and they're mostly like more introspective horror, a little bit more slower, uh, you know, slow burn horror, I guess. Um, and, and, and you know, the ones that deal more with existential issues or, yeah, I, probably psychological horror and, and cosmic horror. Um, I don't know how you would define these. No, I think otherwise. that's, I, I, like. I think that works. And, you know, that's, that's also what I love. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we've talked about that. As far as my own fears, I mean, I would say claustrophobia in a sense of being mm. buried alive which is just kind yes. of random but i mean it's you know i have been in some experiences where i've been in tight spaces and it's made me uncomfortable especially on screen for for some reason horror movies where people are trapped like crawling through small spaces it actually gives me anxiety but i haven't had many personal experiences that i can call back on that like made me that way um, and the buried alive thing, I think that's just kind of uh, another malformation of being in a tight space, except, um, you know, obviously it's just terrifying to be buried under the earth and like however long you live down there before you lose oxygen, it's just, ugh. but um, for me, for my favorite horrors is psychological, exactly the same as you. Some of my favorites, I mean, I think partially it's because the idea of losing your mind is terrifying, but also the realism of it, especially in certain movies. You know, so much of psychology is, you know, fascinating to me. Um, but one of my most favorite psychological horror movies is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Not to go back to King, even though, <laughs> as you know, I am a very big King fan, so it's not hard to have him come into the conversation. But mm. I love the book. You know, I separate the two because it's it's very different but i think kubrick's vision is really more 
kind of about the isolation and the madness uh, portrayed by Jack Nicholson. There's obviously still, you know, and it's a terrifying idea. Obviously there's still because of the potential supernatural elements, but, you know, he also tries to murder his family. He slowly over the course of the movie just gets worse. And I just thought that that was, is, is one of the best. I also love Rosemary's baby. Obviously, you know, that's aspects of that psychological as well, especially, you know, suspicion and paranoia, etc. But are you a fan of The Shining? Is that one that stands out to you? Oh, yes. Um, I love The Shining. I actually watched it again recently um, on a plane, which was a bad choice because uh, they showed like commercials like every five minutes, which, you know, it uh, it was a painful experience. <laughs> but um, I I love the Shining. I think um, it it holds it holds up so well too. Like it's amazing. Um, and uh, Rosemary's Baby is also a great one. And um, some other ones that I really enjoy. Well, Alien is one, and Suspiria as well. Um, mm-hmm. so if we're talking about older films, uh, but more recently, like I've really enjoyed uh, uh, The Witch and raw the french film and the invitation mm-hmm. the babadook invitation is one of my um, favorites of the yeah, last like, it's, decade so good and it, it's so much fun too like that that script is so tight and mm-hmm. the ending is so surprising and yeah it's it's just really really a lot of fun and um it follows yes I really thought that one was great as well. Just really, really excellent. And then, of course, Get Out and Us. And um, uh, another one that I wrote down was uh, The Descent, which isn't necessarily psychological horror, but it was one that really stood out to me because it does um, it feed kind of into that. In elements. Yeah, in, in a way, but it's more about the claustrophobia and it's, it's more like a monster horror, I guess, because of the creatures in the, in the caves. Right. No, it but definitely it. But the main but in, is also grappling with a lot of things and um, I don't yes. know. Yes, and then, then the very ending, which I won't spoil necessarily, but the switch that happens at the end. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? I do, yep. Oh my gosh, that... That messed me up, that film. And it's actually funny because not too long after I saw that, which was probably in 2008 or something, mm-hmm. um, we were visiting caves and I was just so absolutely freaked out. <laughs> yeah, that's something that I've always been interested in doing is actually cave diving. But then when I actually think about it, that's like, I think of The Descent and I'm like, oh. Well, cave diving? No, I wouldn't. I don't think I ever would. Uh, but no, just like visiting. Okay, we were visiting. Uh, cave diving, though, that is one of the worst fears that I have. To be honest, like I watched an episode of, of um, I don't, maybe you know her. She's very interesting, but she's uh, her channel is called Ask a Mortician on YouTube. If not, I can really recommend it. But she deals with a lot of like death stuff. Um, so oh, she, cool. uh, she's an actual mortician, and she talks a lot about like what happens, like in the whole process after a body, um, you know, if, after you die, what happens, and all of that stuff. And she actually did an episode about cave divers specifically, like how horrifying it is, <laughs> because cave diving is so dangerous that it. It has happened that people die while cave diving and then someone has to go retrieve the body and then the cave diver who's 
retrieving the cave diver dives dies too. And then, you know, it's like this domino sort of thing of cave divers dying. <laughs> right. Well, thanks so, for the pep talk. Now I really want to do it. <laughs> no, don't do it. Like, don't do it. It's just, especially if you're claustrophobic. Oh, my God. I've seen videos of people doing that, like, you know, at random locations, this for tourists. But it's just, oh, it creeps me out so much. <laughs> yeah. Bucket list for me, like many, many years ago, and I think it's slowly kind of uh dropped down. Like, first of all, just realism, it's not like, gonna happen, but also, in priority, like, yeah, I have to, like, it'll be five minutes into it, and they're like, you have to crawl through that little space that you're not gonna have any room, and it's gonna be really uncomfortable. I'll be like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> this was, yeah, fun. oh my gosh, yeah, that's probably no, what the, yeah, I'm not ever, no, it's not anywhere near my bucket list. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you ever saw The Vanishing. It was actually, there's two. There was one, I want to say it was in the 80s, and then the remake with Kiefer Sutherland. And, no, uh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, so he, basically his girlfriend disappears, and he's, you know, distraught, and he looks for, and I don't know why, I cannot think of the name of the killer in the new one. It's so obvious. It's the dude. Um, you know, the dude. I can't think of his name. But anyway. Jeff Bridges. Yes, Jeff Bridges. Obviously, I should be slapped for that, but he, oh, um, no, that's right. That I know, to me all the time. I know, but there's not many talents in my life, but just recalling random actors and directors on the, you know, drop of a head <laughs> is something I'm very proud of. But yeah, he's the killer in it. And this is the newer one, not the original. Basically, well, I guess this is kind of a spoiler, isn't it? But he does, you know, things and it's, um, he puts someone in a grave alive and the original remake has a different ending than the i mean the original has a different than a re the remake and it's definitely much darker of an ending but it, mm. that creeps me out a little bit even some of the issues with that movie the idea of like someone snatching you and then putting you in a box in the ground and you know, leaving oh. you there is yeah it's pretty terrifying yeah absolutely and um i was also like the one last film that i wanted to highlight um as well that that I listed, I, I made a list of my favorite horror films. And um, I don't know if everyone would, you know, categorize this film as a horror film necessarily, but I recently rewatched The Cell mm-hmm. um, with uh, Jennifer Lopez yep. Yep. in the lead. Jennifer Lopez, yep. And Vincent um, uh, D'Onofrio and yes. Vince Vaughn. And Vince Vaughn. It's, it's like early 2000s. And oh my goodness, like... It's a weird one, but that Visually, one I watched, cool. I know, it's amazing. And it's actually, I had forgotten about that film for a while, but I watched it uh, around the time that it came out, like uh, probably very often, like probably too often because I was like 12. <laughs> and I hadn't realized until recently, like how much that film influenced me and like the choices that I've made. Um, but I think that film and Fight Club probably, uh, probably influenced me most in like, you know, pursuing psychology and criminology, uh, (laughs) because I was watching that. I was like, I love movies. I love this aesthetic. You know, I, I went into psychology and criminology and that film is basically about a psychologist going into the head of like a serial killer and into this whole sort of dream world and that's basically still what I'm doing essentially with writing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and, you know and and surrounding myself with films all the time 
but yeah, definitely The Cell is a standout film for me that even though it's weird, I think it's it's uh, it's very special, especially aesthetically. Like it's yes. it's so unusual, so unusual. And I think that in to a large extent, the director is uh, uh, has uh, been the large influence in that because Tarsem Singh, you know, he uh, he is um, an Indian. I think I think I don't know if he was born in America or if he's originally from India. But there's a lot of Indian influences in there that are just absolutely stunning i think it's so unusual for western cinema no i agree some of the sequences where she's in his head are really um amazing um mm-hmm. and i haven't seen that movie in a while i do own it i oh, should so give fun. it a watch it's something i've seen quite a few times but it's been a while now and i love that you just mentioned that movie it it took me by surprise in the best possible way and it's amazing that that was such an inspiration for you and that it it led to you knowing what you wanted to do i think that kind of story is, I love to hear it because I think that's the power of cinema. And honestly, Fight Club was very inspirational to me, comes from a time in my life. So it's very sentimental to me as well, where I was just appreciating film more and more and more, but also really discovering who I was and my really deeply rooted connection with film. And it's Fight Club will always remain very, beloved by me because of that um i also when i think of like the criminology and psychological element even though i kind of bounce between horror and suspense silence of the lambs is also a huge influence mm-hmm. yes I, th- I think it's one of those i movies didn't see that one until later interesting yeah it it's yeah. um i mean it's because you're i mean obviously the conversations between her and hannibal lecter are some very interesting from a psychological standpoint and criminology. I'm I'm surprised that you didn't see that until later, honestly. I think it's one of those movies, too, that's near perfect as far as what it accomplishes and what it's trying to accomplish, which is rare. Even, like, if it's not, like, one of my top five favorites, it's one that's always been on a long list, and it's something that I I just appreciate immensely uh, for what it's done for cinema as well. Yes, Uh, absolutely. I... I it's it's funny because I, I I rarely think about that film. Um, I don't know why. The only thing that I do remember often or think about it's it's funny because it's it's like this thing where I feel like the whole element of Buffalo Bill that's his name right the guy with the yes. the, the serial killer in that film. Um, yeah, is that that sort of to me stands separately of the whole Hannibal thing. And I've always felt for some reason that it was a little bit detached from each other. If if yeah, that makes can, sense. No, I can definitely see that. Yeah. And I mean, they, they kind of are, I mean, they're very different. Yeah. Um, they're, they're obviously two separate storylines almost, but in my head, I've almost remembered as if the Buffalo Bill part is like a, a different film almost. Yeah, I could I could see that. Um, I think Clarice is kind of the kind of the glue there, kind of the connecting uh, factor that brings them two together. But I definitely can see what you mean by that. He's obviously very creepy as Buffalo Bill in that movie too. Oh yeah, um, so creepy. And on maybe I can have you back on a future episode where we talk about some like true crime things that are terrifying. Oh, yeah. That I mean, I literally could talk about that for like hours forever and and, you know given criminology i think you'd be amazing for that so i did want to talk about something else too because 
another king thing. It kind of ties into psychological horror and mental health as well. But we are both big fans of Hulu's Castle Rock, um, which is obviously, if you haven't seen it somehow, you should. But it's a uh, show that kind of takes some characters and elements from Stephen King's work, but it's something that's original. You know, it, it's on its own. And it also gives new perspectives to characters and it's currently in its second season i think the i haven't watched today's mm-hmm. episode but i think it's like the seventh no, so it's almost over no um i'm probably gonna go to, to bed too late just because i want to catch up yeah i know <laughs> me too i've been well last week's ended on such a note i was like no oh gosh yes yeah. it's um, been so good i know and one of the characters this season is annie wilkes which i'm sure Everyone recognizes that name from Rob Reiner's Misery uh, movie and obviously the book, but it's, you know, won Kathy Bates an Oscar. It's an amazing performance. But in this portrayal, which is by Lizzie Kaplan, it's very, it's 100% different. Um, obviously, yeah, it's she's like very Castle different. Rock, yeah, which is a completely new environment. Her storyline's completely different, though there are little, you know, mannerisms and things that she says that are from the book and also kind of Kathy Bates like, which I love, like the way she walks a little bit. And um, yeah, that's the, absolutely right. Yeah. Some of the phrases, you know, dirty birdie. And um, I'm hoping some other ones work their way in there that are like common from the story in the movie. But anyway, so she, this really kind of dives in kind of a deeper understanding of her mental health. We talked about this a little bit, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on why you think this has been one of the best examples of, you know, someone, I think you said someone with schizophrenia that you've ever seen. Yeah, right. So to be honest, um, the first season I thought was okay. No, it was very good. I really, really enjoyed it. But the ending caught me aback a little because I felt like the story wasn't resolved yet. And I was a little surprised to find that the the second season was going to be almost like anthology, like, you know, a, a whole different story. Uh, because I still felt like so many of my questions of the first season were unanswered. Um, but now they are starting to sort of work in some elements of the first season into the second season, which has been very interesting in how they're managing that. Uh, I still have many, many questions, although I feel like this season is being a little less unclear. Um, but yeah, about the schizophrenia. So uh, Annie Wilkes is... Um, clearly schizophrenic and she is suffering from like a paranoid schizophrenia and she has uh, like in her worst moments she also has like visual and auditory hallucinations like she hasn't had it as much in the later episodes but definitely in the first few episodes she hears like the ticking of uh, a typewriter and um, which I thought was really a great like harking back to the film as well because uh uh, you know, so much of that one uh, revolves around the typewriter and the writing. And um, absolutely. Yeah. And and um, she sees these visions of a man. I haven't quite put together who it is yet. Have you? Like, I, we shouldn't probably not talk too many specifics about I, but the, 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 the figure know. that I she will, sees. I will send you a message. <laughs> I do okay. know who it is. I will <laughs> because, send you a message because I don't want to. <laughs> I, I should. Okay, good, good. Uh, I should definitely also point out that among the two of us, Christy is definitely the, the king connoisseur. 
So she is always like pointing out these specific like king, uh, you know, um, how would you call it like cinematic or the the, the king world, I guess. Uh, things uh, I can only pick up on the things like oh it's the Shawshank prison you know the obvious stuff <laughs> um, right. but yeah. um, but her like the the way they wrote her um, mental illness here has been so great and I think that's one of the benefits of a TV show over a film is that they have so much more time to establish like the the very fine details of a mental illness far more so than they can in, in like the 90 to 120 minutes of a of a, a, a feature film. So here she has like a full range of, of issues and it's not just like the hysterical, like, oh, she has visual hallucinations and she's crazy kind of thing that we see in feature films often, but it's more like the effect it has on her daughter, on, on her environment, like her constantly fleeing from something she constantly feels like chased, like persecuted as well. I mean, to a certain extent for a good reason, but it, it's definitely very interesting. And it's interesting to see how they're managing the balance of what, what extent of like her, you know, the, 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 the sense of persecution that she has, how much of is it is, is like vested in reality and what isn't. So I, I think that, is what makes it so interesting and what makes it such a unique portrayal. And also I have to say like Lizzie Kaplan's performance is quite unusual. Although sometimes she does like great on the nerves just a little bit and how beggy she is all the time, especially mm -hmm. towards Joy. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but there are some scenes with her that where she's wonderful. Just, yes. And what's awesome, too, about this portrayal of Annie Wilkes, they dive into a backstory. Also, you have eventually, at least in my opinion, you have a little empathy towards her uh, once you discover what she's been through. Where I feel yes. like with Annie Wilkes as Kathy Bates, that you don't really no, You know, there's not much empathy there. She, I mean, you don't know her whole story anyway, but you kind of get pieces here and there. Exactly. But, yeah, but no, this plus the fact that she has a daughter and, you know, she does seem to genuinely care and love her. Yes. Obviously, it gives her a lot more layers. And obviously, like you said, it's also a mini series or, or yeah, I guess it's considered a kind of like you say, anthology series it gives more room to explore. But yeah, I think what they're doing with her and what they're doing with this season is interesting. And yes, last season definitely did not. <laughs> end with a lot of concrete answers i think it's more about perception perspective like whether or not you believe who you believe like i don't want to spoil it if someone hasn't seen it but um it was interesting i mean that's the best word i can say for the finale of that first season mm -hmm. was it was definitely yes. thing for sure and it makes you wonder like what was real and you know who's telling the truth and who made the right decision and it kind of even makes you question um, morality a little bit with what's what goes on at the end of that so for sure I I couldn't agree more and um oh one more thing I wanted to point out as well about this um the performance and and the portrayal of the mental illness here is that I think that the girl who played Annie um in her teens was also very 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 impressive and and especially like in in the control over her body 
um, at, at some point she is starting to get worse. Like throughout the episode, she starts to get worse and worse. And like the worse she gets, like the more almost mechanical um, her body moves. And that is also like something that I, I felt like that definitely um, the portrayal of the schizophrenia, of the mental illness, that was something that I thought like that is something you don't see very often is that people with schizophrenia also have this like very rigid <clears throat> movement and they lose like expression in their faces. And is that people with schizophrenia also have this like very rigid <clears throat> movement and they lose like expression in their faces. They did that really well. And that girl just did such a great job. And I'm very sorry, but I don't know her name. And I should probably look it up because I would definitely keep my eye, I, my eye out for her. <laughs> I don't offhand either. But I I also thought that was done really well. The, the physicality kind of element of that. I agree. Yeah, so absolutely. yeah, definitely check out Castle Rock if you haven't. Hopefully the uh, end of this season doesn't throw us for too much of a loop. I mean, it's pretty weird so <laughs> to be honest like the second storyline is a little like mm, do we have to <laughs> yeah i gotta um for anyone who knows king because this castle rock is a fictional town obviously that's used but jerusalem's lot is also significant in this season um salem's lot obviously that's been i think that's been made it's actually being, I think it's being remade a third time soon because oh, really? people just can't stop, you know, but there's been two, yeah, well. one was a mini, <laughs> yeah, right. One was a mini series and one was the uh, movie, I think from the seventies. It's an interesting story, but what they're doing in this show with Salem's Lot is, I mean, there's variations and names and houses and stuff from the story, but it's also very different, um, entirely original and obviously entirely bad shit. So um, prepare yourself Completely. if you are going <laughs> to. If you are going to take that dive into it, but you know, it's interesting. And obviously, like you said, I'm a bigger King kind of connoisseur. I'm from Maine. So I think there's like something in the water here. You just can't, you know, not <laughs> connect to King to an extent. Plus the, you know, town of Derry, like the fictional town and all that is like 40 minutes away from me, the one that's based uh -huh. on. And there's a lot of things that happened like in the it stories that are real that he incorporates. And it's actually really interesting. He got the idea because he found out that the town, which is really Bangor, Maine, ha didn't have maps for all of their sewers. So there's actually sewers in parts of the town that were never mapped and you don't know where they go. And that was actually like one of the first things that inspired him, that creepy idea because a lot of the, you know, it um, Pennywise oh. kind of goes through sewers and everything. And so I just thought that was really fascinating. And then there's also a lot of, actual events that happen that he works in and you know a lot of films and locations that are portrayed or like right around the corner for me so it's hard not to have that kind of influence you know that connection well um, i mean if you consider the amount of you know stephen king adaptations his books and like his he must i think he's probably the biggest american horror author isn't he oh, yeah well sure, no yeah. doubt actually probably around the world anyway like, why is there no Stephen King, like, theme park in Maine? Like, right. that wouldn't... <laughs> you would it think there would be. Right. Like, that seems like an idea. There's a tour. There's a tour in Bangor. And he just announced that he's selling his house in Bangor, which I've been to, I think, like, probably because there's people creeping around just every day, like, taking pictures <laughs> in front of his house. I mean, plus, I think he's 
I mean, he's he's so many adaptations and new books and stuff that he's always he has a house, I think, in Florida, but I think he's been traveling a lot, so he doesn't spend much time here. But it's actually going to mm. be made to a museum of King Works. Oh, that's awesome! Retreat, like a place that people can, uh, I think maybe I don't know if all the details are worked out, but like apply to and and spend time writing there, which would be so cool. But. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, he, he lived like two houses down from one of my best friends, so we would go near his house pretty pretty often. But we, but otherwise, yeah. Oh it's, my goodness, uh, uh, that's awesome. I mean, I can see why you're into it though. Like that's the main thing. Yeah, but yeah, I love that. The and main I, thing, like, oh my gosh, I didn't even mean that as a pun, but that's a great pun. But it is. <laughs> it's a great pun, right? That's the main and the mainer thing. But um, yes, <laughs> yeah. So. That is part of it, but also, like I said, I just, I love uh, Strange, and I mean, he's obviously come up with so many incredible stories, not even always all horror either. I mean, he's also just a very mm-hmm. talented writer. One of my favorites of his is eleven twenty two sixty three, and that's not horror at all. That's the one about the JFK. I don't know if you ever saw the Hulu adaptation of that. Which no, no, I life. haven't. I haven't, no. Um, but I'm also thinking of some of the fantasy that he wrote as well, which is also, yep. I really, that's Dark actually, yes, The Dark Tower and also some other stuff like the, God, The Black House or something. Is that also Dark Tower? I don't know, but it was like a uh, um, collaboration with Peter Strauss, I think. Peter Straub, yeah. Yeah, um, no, it wasn't so part of The Dark Tower, but yeah. I sort think- of the same world, I think, is what it was, though. But those books were so great, too, I thought. so. But I read all of those in Dutch, which is really, it still messes me up sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's impressive. I hope, uh, I don't know how that, like the translation in in any way, if that would impact it. Oh, I I can't read translations anymore now that my Dutch, or now that my English is usually better than that of the translators. Right. (laughs) Oh, the translators always mess up anyway. Yeah, and and often they also translate like names or you know in the Harry Potter books in in particular like the the translations are so bad and very confusing. But yeah, that's a tangent. It's a terrific tangent though, and I can imagine with all the interesting and weird names that are in Harry Potter that that would be especially difficult. Yeah. So, um I mean, we discussed a lot of movies and also a lot of fears too. But is there anything you'd like to add about the idea or the, you know, psychology of fear or fear in movies or just anything else that you want to throw out there before I let you go? Not necessarily fear or movies, but specifically, I also wanted to mention comics because I've been reading a lot of um, horror comics, um, mm-hmm. which are, I don't know if you've ever read any horror comics or if you do read them. I have. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have. so I, I've been getting into some horror comics recently and I've I've been reading some great ones and I want to just toss out some recommendations if in, in case people are interested um so I recently read Gideon Falls um which is really cool it's about this black barn it's, I mean it sounds so lame when you mention it like that but there's a, like a creepy and and the art is amazing and it's already been picked up for an adaptation as well so I can really recommend that one as well as Infidel which is um, about um, a Muslim woman and her fears of living in the United States at the moment. And like the whole, and, and she suffers like from like seeing demons and they sort of represent her fears 
Um, and, and that too has already been picked up for a feature film adaptation, I think. Um, so those two are really, really great. And um, Glitterbomb, um, which is about life in Hollywood and how destructive it is, especially to actors. And, and so I wanted to just mention those three because I've, I've been really, really, really enjoying horror comics in particular. Like the art is just great and it's really scary. And it's, I feel like even more creative in some ways than a lot of the horror films that are being put out, especially by the bigger studios. Definitely check the, those out for sure. Awesome. Um, thank you for those suggestions too. And I, I've read some, um, I haven't in a while, but I have quite a few like Lock and Key. Oh, Lock and Key is some, some of my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I think Lock and Key is Joe Hill. <laughs> um, yeah, just Stephen King's son, actually. So I think they actually are doing something with that, too, if I remember. Oh, I, they I think are? everything's being adapted, though. So, I mean, you never know. It's always in talks. Um, but yeah, well, that's and also true. Sandman. Um, Sandman is coming, though. That is happening. I think it is. Yeah, I think so, too. And I feel like there's another one as well. When Walking Dead first started, I was a Walking Dead comic fan as well. Kind of, I don't know. After a while, it kind of lost me a little bit. But I also love the show or the comics. Both, actually. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Um, I really loved the show in the beginning. I thought it was uh, really good. And then, I don't know. Things change. Things know, happen. And, and, and also, long. personally, not too much into zombies either. Yeah. I think it's something, it's just one of those horror genres or subgenres that's kind of been played out to an extent, but there are some, yeah. like, kind of like a handful that <laughs> I love, like, even though it's not even necessarily considered because they are enraged, but I love 28 Days Later. Um, yes, I was, was it. that's so funny because that's like the one, if, if, if we were going to talk about zombie movies, like, that's the one that I would mention as my favorite zombie movie because that's very, the only one that really scared me is like that one and also just in general like fast zombies over slow zombies any day <laughs> right i know right it's like just walk by i mean you know it's i actually just recently watched one of the um night of the living deads the one with tony todd it was on tv mm -hmm. and at the end when she goes out they're just like barely walk like they're so slow it's like you guys could have just ran and like I feel like you could just dodge them like all the time, but right, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I guess that loses a little bit of the uh, tension if you really point those things out. But but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we could definitely talk about horror movies forever. But I, like I said, going forward, do I'm going to try to have episodes be surrounding a specific fear or phobia to talk about very and more in depth like some of the movies that have best portrayed it portrayed it the worst just kind of dive into those a little bit more um i think we covered a lot here which is amazing and it was awesome speaking with you as always and a lot of fun mm. well um, thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed it too i'm, I'm glad to hear that and um yeah, so hopefully next time I can have you back again and we can, like I said, maybe dive into some of the uh, the true crime, which is oh, wow. terrifying in yeah. itself and always intriguing. One of those Absolutely. Like, things that disturbs you, but yet you can't not like look at it or read about it or, you know, investigate it, yeah. at least in my Absolutely. opinion. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Absolutely. It's something you, you kind of grapple with, I think, but that's part of the draw too, because it's it's real it happened and you're just trying to understand why or how well, so that'll be fun 
and yeah and and also in general like i was just reading a bit about fear before we went into our call and and one of the most common fears apparently is just for physical violence and and that's often what these true crime stories deal with right absolutely yeah it's 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 horror too in a sense because we just we're trying to make sense of these people's psychology like why could they do this these horrific horrific things yeah and it would also be interesting to talk about some of the kind of like obsession with it too because there are some people that i mean i'm very fascinated in true crime because i just want to understand it which is why i love shows like mindhunter um but Mm -hmm. you know there are some people that are just you know consumed with I, I don't know. They almost think of them like in the same sense as like a movie star or something, you know, like oh, some yeah. of these most renowned, you know, uh, ones. So it's kind of an interesting thing that we could definitely take a very deep dive into, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could give you one gem. And that's, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but it's, it's a phenomenon, phenomenon called murder memorabilia. Have you ever heard of that? No. Okay, so... In, in the same sphere of people who are so obsessed with murderers and murderers um, is that on eBay and such, um, there are items that have been involved in murders that are being traded and like sold for a lot of money. Yeah, that's... No, I hadn't heard of that. It doesn't surprise me somehow, as <laughs> disturbing as that is. Right. Um, yeah it's uh yeah it's it's an interesting (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's definitely messed up um but it's also interesting like to want to talk to one of those people that buys it like can we get the story like what's going on here and what are you thinking and why the hell do you want this yeah exactly are you seeking medical um like attention at all mental health because i kind of feel like you might want to (laughs) might want to start just a suggestion you know if you're uh well maybe that's their way of therapy you know like maybe just get some murder memorabilia so we don't have to make my own yeah right no i guess that's true i mean if it's keeping them uh <laughs> inside hugging their uh bloody shirt then i guess that's keeping some violence off the street <laughs> so score there um but yeah thank you very much again it was wonderful talking to you and i can't thank you enough for being on the show and uh i really hope that i get to have you on here again of course i hope so and i look forward to listening thank you i appreciate that and this is the little interview I had, our partial uh, interview that I had with Drew and Brett Pierce, the brother co-writing, co-directing team of The Wretched, which premiered at Austin Festival, uh, as well as some other festivals this year. And it's a really kind of fresh take on a specific subgenre of horror, which is The Witch. And it's a, a really interesting and amazing movie. I think it really shows potential for future projects as well so i was able to chat with them a bit you can see the full interview on our website but afterwards i was able to ask them some questions about their fears and how you know their favorite horrors and i hope you enjoy um i'm drew pierce i'm the co-writer director of the wretched and i'm brett pierce the other co-writer co-director of the wretched so Basically, what are you scared of? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I 
things that really scare me. I think when people are pretending to be nice, that terrifies me. When, when you know somebody has like malicious intentions, um, and they're they're sort of presenting like a you know friendly demeanor, that always freaks me out. Um, but the other thing, I'm a new dad, so that's that was a huge inspiration for our movie, and just the idea of like not knowing what's going to happen to my kid and not being able to protect him. And, you know, it's just, by the way, the baby in the movie is his kid. I mean, on my end, I mean, my fear is kind of really enough. I'm, I'm afraid of claustrophobic and tight spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, when I feel kind of helpless that I can't move, do something or I'm confined in any way. Um, there's nothing that like just basically makes my blood race or gets me stressed out where I'm about to flip out faster than that. So I mean, it always kind of comes down to it, like fear. And we always talk about it when we want to make movies. Like the things we're most scared of in movies is when somebody is put in a weakened position, which could be like you know I'm trapped in a window and the killer's behind me, or you know I. I'm leaning to look under the bed, so I'm kind of in a, a, a you know a weak position, and something's coming in from behind me. Yeah, everything in horror is sort of that anticipation of not knowing yeah. what the threat is, and then escalating sort of the, the helplessness of whatever character is. Yeah, yeah, I think I like horror scene is just a, it's an extrapolation on that, yeah. kind of new ways to sort of do that. But I think like the final answer would be is like the scariest thing is helplessness in a lot of ways. So that's what scares you with horror movies as well. I mean, there's yeah. definitely a correlation to your fear. Like, okay. Yeah, helplessness and the, the inability to control, um, like, my safety or outcome. So, like, that's why I think supernatural things scare me is because they don't um, work in the world of science or now. There's something else, you know. Was there a particular movie that scared you the most, like growing up, or still still does? Oh yeah, I mean there's a couple. I mean I would say two that scared me the most are probably uh, the original Halloween and Nightmare on because I don't know if there's anything scarier than like if you fall asleep, somebody's gonna kill you in your dreams. Yeah. Um, what about you? Uh, I mean, one thing I don't know why it just really got me was the remake of The Grudge, and I don't know, but it just it freaked me out. And I think I'm not can't even articulate it, but something about that the little kid and just the the the, the you know the contorting figure. I I, had, I saw that before I ever saw um, the original Juan, um, but that one freaked me out. That's probably the one that really scared me. Most recently, like, that's definitely like there's a lot of movies that scared me as a kid, but yeah. for some reason that one freaked me out. But well, like the grudge is pretty much like, are you afraid of the dark? Nothing operates with a sense of like anything as it is like very supernatural. And do you think about that, like about scaring people when you're writing, like what's going to freak people out the most in the scene, and you know, trying to. I mean, ironically, you, you see a movie, we got better at it through the course of the movie because we, we know the scenes we shot first and the ones we shot later. And our favorite um, horror scenes are the ones that, as we progressed, um, we 
chat later because we were just getting yeah. better at it. So we're just constantly, and it, you know, I, I've never been obsessed with how to scare people. We've been more obsessed with how to make people love our characters, which I think kind of comes through our movie a little bit. But the, this movie has been the process of, like, we've, I've kind of become obsessed with how to scare people as we've made this movie. Um, I think that's a little bit because, like, when you, you make horror films, you become desensitized, mm-hmm. and you stop being scared of stuff. And it's almost like you're always chasing the scare still. Like, you want to try to figure out how to make people feel the way you did, but you felt terrified. <laughs> you know? So now, now we're, like, super much... I mean, we've always watched every horror movie, but we're watching, like, anything and everything constantly just because... We want to make another horror film next, and we just want to figure out how to, like, just push it even further, you know? Absolutely. And I just had one other question. Um, so I know you talked about how you like the lore of witches and stuff, but why do you think witches have continued to be scary over time? Like, why are the specific lore so terrifying and inviting and some? I, I mean, I think it's just because it's a, it's a universal myth that reoccurs almost everywhere. And there's even a lot of, um, the visual representation of the witch has a lot of similarities, even from the UK to the States to, to Asia to Africa, just anywhere you go, that I think people just have this built in the back of their head, this fear of some sort of creepy old woman that means you like some sort of like ill, you know, that's going to come after you or is going to come after your children very much for answering my questions. I really appreciate it. So that's a wrap on episode one of Go On Scare Me. And I really appreciate anyone taking the time to listen to this. I appreciate and want to thank again, Man on Reaper, who again is wonderful for being on the show, as well as Drew and Brett Pierce from The Wretched. And I hope that you'll join us next time for some more creepy um, deep dives into the origins of fear and horror and hopefully you know you can chime in and tell us some of yours because i would love to hear it i'm hoping to you know get some quotes from individuals and maybe stories that kind of inspired and why they think that they're scared of certain things so feel free to reach out and have a great rest of your day have a terrifying rest of your day (laughs) 